verses of angels we have heard on high, hymn 291, and while shepherds watch their flocks, hymn number 300, if you wanted to do in your home. It's up on the screen as well.
we have influence. The only one that has come down to rescue. God, you are our lifeline and our hope. And we give you praise. You may be seated.
It's that night again. Every year I come here, I look at the same sky. The stars are the same. The pole star, big bear and little bear, opposite one another across the pole star. It's a cold night. It's a night when important things can happen. We talked, we were shepherds watching our sheep. Yeah, we talked amongst ourselves throughout the night. A young boy complained. It's cold. Yes, cold, I told him. I wish I were home, lying in a warm bed. Don't think about it, I said. Sing a song or something. So the young boy sang a silly song about a shepherd boy in a wealthy village. I looked over Bethlehem. It was quiet and still. Not much was happening. All we could hear was the boy in his silly song. People often ask whether I get bored or scared or lonely up here in the dark night. Scared sometimes. Those wild animals. But never bored or lonely. It gives me time to think. Businessmen and lawmen, they don't have much time to think. But I have long nights for thinking about that night when angels filled the sky. At first it was just one angel lighting up the hillside. I thought I was dreaming until the voice called out my name. He was scared. I was scared too, but before I could say anything, the angel spoke. Alterel, don't be afraid. The way he said it calmed me down, and the boy calmed down too. That's when I knew he was an angel. Behold, he said, I bring you good news of great joy. Today, in the city of David, a Savior will be born unto you, and this will be your sign. You will find him lying in a manger, wrapped in cloth. As the angel was saying this, his voice was filling up my head as if it was coming from inside of me. And the more
he spoke, the more I realized that there was nothing else to be seen or heard or even know at all. And soon they were mourning again, and they were all singing the same song, Glory to God in the highest. It was a great song, and that song was inside of me too. But as soon as the angels came, they were gone again, and the night grew still and quiet. And a young boy ran towards me saying, Did you see that? Did you hear that? Angels in the sky. I saw, I heard, Lord. What should we do, he asked. Well, I suppose we go to Bethlehem and see the baby, see the Savior. So some of us went to Bethlehem, some stayed back to watch the child. When we arrived in Bethlehem, we found the baby, just like the angel told us, lying in a manger. He looked ordinary, like any other baby boy. And we told the mother and the father about what the angel had said. Then we sang a song of praise to God. And then he asked, What were we supposed to do with the shepherds? So it's that night again. I sit here and I wonder. I wonder why us? Why shepherds? Why didn't the angel go to the king? The people, the officials in the city? Why us? Is it because we were close by? I think everybody's close to an angel. Is it because we were worthy? Well, I'm not sure who's worthy before the Almighty. Is it because we were looking for the Messiah? Well, the Pharisees and the Zealots, they were looking for the Messiah. He wasn't. Is it because we knew that we desperately needed a Messiah? think and wonder, what will the Messiah do when he grows up? Will he change the world and fix all the problems? Well, I don't know. Same night, same sky, same stars, same trouble. That's enough thinking. I hope you freshman year of high school, I had uh, translated or uh, transferred into uh, a new school, and um, smaller school, Christian school, we had 14 in our class, so I guess whether or not you call that big or small, frame of reference, but um, uh, so anyway, so I was a freshman uh, in high school, and there was uh, a couple students that were, were talking to me, and, and they were saying, hey, you should, you should try out, you, you should join us, we're doing this thing called um, the all-state choir or, or the all-state chorus and we need a bass and would you would you join us and you and just kind of to give you like a little bit of background like me and the vocal singing like not such good friends um, it's mainly that stain on pitch part where just we've never really got along and uh, especially when you when there's like parts you know like where you don't get to sing the melody line like I mean it's just I it's all hope is lost right and so you know, kind of as a favor to them and to me, I was like, no, there, there's no way I'm, no, no, I'm not doing this. Well, their, their situation, and, and I didn't realize this all at the time, is that you had to have a, a four-part, like you had to have a quartet to go, and they didn't have a bass. And so if they didn't find someone to sing the bass line, they couldn't go, right? And I really, I wasn't that concerned about their plight, but that was the situation. Well, one of the girls in the chorus, this, this senior blonde gal, and she was one of those people who was just, like, so good-looking, like, even all the other schools know about her, right? You know, and so, you know, they're like, oh, you go to such-and-such such school, do you know, you know, and whatever else. And um, anyway, so, and uh, she's not even, I don't think she was much of a vocalist either, so I'm not, uh, whatever, but she was in it. And, uh, so, and I don't know if this was just her idea or if they, like, kind of like connived against me but so they sent her after me to like try to get me on the group right and so me as the freshman boy in the new school you know and the blonde senior girl coming after me it's i i didn't i didn't make it very long i didn't last long 
So I was like, sure, whatever you want. And um, so I signed on for this thing, and, and we're singing. And it, it had probably been like a couple of weeks, and, you know, the choir director, bless his heart, he's always singing my part along with me so that I can learn it. And um, But see, my only frame of reference for any of these things is like these little musical contests, right, where you go to some other small town and you stand in like the third grade classroom and there's like two adults and a judge and maybe a couple other students and you sing your songs and you're done and then they judge you you know you got like a one or a four or whatever you know that kind of thing right so i asked them something about you know kind of when the contest was and they're like no 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 it's not a contest there's a whole bunch of other students that go and we sing all these songs together well then i i don't know why but then i really didn't want to go i was a but it was too late. I, I kind of already committed, and so kind of with an even worse attitude, um, I agreed to do this thing. Well, I mean, so that so the, the that year is out in Rapid City. So we load up, and I don't know, it must have been like the band director's car or something like that. And we drive out to Rapid, and we stay at this super cheap hotel. But then we, we head to one of the universities, and the practice room was in the gymnasium. There were a thousand voices there. Well, actually, it was like 960 some, something like that, but we'll just say a thousand. So they had, a, and most of these were like the greatest vocalists in their school because they had to actually try out, right? And each school could send one quartet, and the bigger schools could send, you know, two or three, kind of depending upon the size. So you've got a thousand of the best vocalists from, from all across the state. And then they brought in this choir director, some professional director out of South Florida, who was just mind-boggling awesome. Like, he was he was so good. Oh, my land, he was so good. Uh, I tried to find his name, but I couldn't find the cassette tape, which shows you how old this was. Um, and, uh, but, and, and so he, and, and I remember at one point, because we were kind of seated in, in, in a U-shape, kind of on bleachers, and he, he wanted to work with, like, this group over here, right? And I was on this group over here. So he, he, he just kind of had them sing, you know, like a, a few things, and we were kind of across from them, you know. And there are times where, you know, you stand in front of, like, your little radio or your CD, and you're like, oh, that's, that's a nice sound. I, this was just this wall of music that just, like, washed over you, and you just didn't even want to breathe. Like, it was just so awesome. Well, then come performance night, because then I found out, not only is there the chorus, but there's the orchestra as well, too. So the choir and the orchestra do a number together, and then the orchestra does stuff, and then the choir, and then they do a number together. All the girls are dressed up like it's prom. All the guys are dressed up like in suits and ties. I was like, this is awesome. This is fantastically awesome, right? And we were, it was televised, and we were directly across from the camera in the first couple rows, and we had the blonde senior girl. So we were on TV a lot, and... Um, But I remember conniving on the way back because I was thinking, okay, that was fantastic. I can't sing. If I tell others about this, they will try out and I will not get to go back. For four years, I never said a word. And for four years, I was the only bass who tried out. <laughs> Even my senior year, all the other parts, people trying out, not just me. And uh, it seemed a little bit I don't know. You know, my senior year, they give you this certificate for who's been there all four years, and it's supposed to be this prestigious, prestigious thing, because, like, wow, what a great vocalist you must be to come all four years, you know. And I'm like, I got one of those. And um, it's just because I didn't tell anyone. And, yeah. You know, sometimes you get into something, and it turns out to be totally different than, than what you expected. Uh, maybe it's a lot worse than you expected. Maybe it's a lot better than, than you expected, right? We could have the same conversation probably about getting married or, or having kids or all-state chorus in high school, that kind of thing. And I think for, for many of us, in some ways, that's kind of our story with Christianity and, and, and what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ, where you, you kind of have a simplistic understanding and then you get into it and it's like, wow, this is way bigger and hopefully a lot better than, than I an anticipated. And I think for a little bit, too, the shepherds, that, that perhaps that's what they were experiencing. And, and even for myself, as I have been looking into what exactly was it that the angels said? And what exactly was that interaction like? 
it has turned out to be drastically different than, 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 what, I, than what I had previously thought. Let me read the, the story to you. I'm in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 8. Um, and uh, I'm just going to read up to verse 14. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You know, when I was a, a child, and really probably even up to just a, a few years ago, you know, how, how I envisioned this, thanks to... Hallmark cards and flannel graphs and whatever, cartoons and that kind of thing. You know, you have a couple of shepherds and they're hanging out, right? And maybe you have like two or four kind of symbolic figures. Then the angel appears. But the angel is always in the sky and he's always at a safe distance, right? Like So like, I, so like for me, that would be like maybe from like here to the balcony, right? So I'm doing my thing and then floating guy in the sky in the balcony. Pretty shocking. I'm a little bit, you know, it's kind of bright. And then uh, he tells me some things, and then a multitude appears, right? But the flannel graph only ever showed, like, four or five. So I'm picturing, like, four or five other guys, and that's the multitude. And then they have a little chant that they do, and it's kind of cute. And then they leave. And then the shepherds, we go down to Bethlehem. There's a stable. It's lit up with a spotlight. We kneel very quietly. Then three wise men, four camels, they show up. They kneel quietly. And then we all go back about our business. Okay? This was... This was kind of the Christmas story in, in my head. The Greek word for appear, it like appear is a good translation. But it's actually a much fuller word than, than just appear. Come to find out, it, it is an ingressive, aorist, active indicative, which, I mean, wow, isn't that fascinating? But it's more often translated as stand at, stand near. This word can also mean um, attack. It can mean come upon. Uh, it can be uh, to be imminent, uh, to stand at or near a specific place. And so it's, I've been learning that, that when the angels appeared, it's not so much that they were like floating in the sky at a safe distance, but they were standing right here. Not there, but just here. Have you ever kind of like snuck up on someone and you get right behind them or you, you kind of get your head kind of right up close to their ear and you like surprise them or, or, or whatever it is that, that you do, right? It was kind of like that, but with an angelic being when you thought you were alone in the wilderness, okay? Um, but this also, this also changes what it means when the multitude showed up. I tried to find, you know, someone to say, hey, how much is a multitude? No one really, none of the commentaries committed to, to multitude. They just said large group or crowd. But here's what I realized after a while. Is that however many it was, this multitude, it was too many to count in their short interaction. The, multi, it was, the multitude, you know, if, they, if it had been like a dozen, they probably would have said a dozen. You know, if it had been like four or five, they would have said four or five. Whatever showed up, it was too many to quickly get a grip for how many were there. These were shepherds. They're used to counting sheep. They're, they're, they're used to, to, you know, kind of doing a, a quick kind of assessment. Of, okay, how many do we have here? So whatever crowd that in your head you can picture and you can say that's 40 people, that's 80 people, that's 100 people. Okay, that's too many. I'm not sure how many we're dealing with. At whatever point you cross over to, I'm not sure how many that is, I believe that was the multitude. So we went from one guy who just appeared right here, and it said the whole place was lit up all around him. So the one guy appears, and then suddenly you're just in the midst of a massive crowd, and then it's all gone. 
And this is why it's so important that a group of shepherds experience this together. Because if one guy comes running into town, you're like, hoo-hoo. But when a group of shepherds come in and say, together we experience this, it really lends some credibility to, to what they went through. First thing that the shepherds say is fear not. Or I mean that the angels say. It's, there's kind of a pattern. I don't know if you've noticed this. Angels, they either kind of seem to show up in human form, in which people are okay, or they show up in angelic form, in which case people always freak out. Almost every time that an angel appears, people don't handle it well. They collapse, they fall down as dead, they attempt to worship, they, 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 they just get, and the angels always have to open up with, fear not, it's all, and I'd probably be the same way. But no one in scripture who sees an angel in their kind of fully lit up form, no one really seems to handle it well. So the angels always start with fear not. And then he continues on, the angel continues on, he says, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That root word, I bring you great news, is actually our root word. That's where we get our word evangelism. So if I were to reword that, I could, and I think honestly reword this to say, I evangelize to you great joy. Or very simply, I evangelize. I I think the angel could have just said, I evangelize, and it would have been the exact same thing. I bring you a message of great joy. And that was powerful for me to, to, to realize. That after Jesus was born, the night that Jesus was born, the very first proclamation that goes out, it's this evangelistic message by the angel, and the first thing that they say to people is, I evangelize to you great joy. To share great news that results in great joy is at the heart of evangelism. For whatever, and, and I've done this too, but we have attributed such fear and such hesitation to, to evangelism. And for us, it's this terrifying thing, and and we have to wait for just the right moment, and after years of relationship building, and and we're not going to talk about it unless we've got, you know, like 20 intercessors at full speed. And and I kind of want to be careful that that this doesn't get get misunderstood, but in some ways, we've almost made too big of a deal out of it. I mean, it is a big deal, but we share great joy so many other times in our life. We we share joyous moments, joyous things that are happening. We, we share great joy. And we're not, you know, we, we don't go home and kind of write out the script and, and think about how they're going to argue with us on us. And we don't, you know, I mean, we just, it's great joy. It's a good message. And it's fun to share. We, I mean, joy, sharing, it, it's fun. It's enlightening. It's joy-inducing. say, uh, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Later on, he says, and I've always kind of struggled a little bit about this, um, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Come to find out that only the King James Version translated that as peace, goodwill towards men. And today, that is actually considered kind of a, a less uh, um, less accurate translation. All the translations that, that I use today and, and that I trust um, clarify, and they almost have this connotation that, that the message is for everyone, but the peace is a little bit limited. Other translations will say it like this, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. Peace among those whom he favors. And I've always found this a little bit uncomfortable because it it does not appear to be all-inclusive to me. And it seems like there's this this stipulation associated. And and in looking into it and and studying it, it appears that, that, that the peace that we're talking about is for those who have been reconciled with God. For those who have accepted his salvation. 
So everyone gets the message, but only some choose to to accept the teaching. Only some choose to say to say yes to God. And for those people, there there is peace, not necessarily peace on earth. We we know that, but but peace with God. Well, today we we light the third candle. The first candle that we lit was the candle of hope, sometimes called the the candle of prophecy. And we've talked about how hope and prophecy are kind of two sides of the same coin. Prophecy is when God speaks to us. Hope is how we respond to God's message when he spoke to us. So whether we want to call it the candle of hope or the candle of prophecy, it's still a message. We're just saying, are we going to look at this from God's perspective or our perspective? The second candle that we lit was the hope of love. And we talked about God being a God who pursued us, um, who rescued us, who who came after us, uh, who loves us dearly. And this week we light the candle of joy. It was interesting to to study and and, and to look into joy. Joy in scripture is referred to both as a feeling, but but also an action, or or kind of this this cognitive choice. Uh, uh, Some examples... Um, joy is a feeling. So uh, when the shepherds found his lost sheep, there was joy. Um, there was a multitude that felt joy when Jesus uh, healed a woman in their midst. Um, after Jesus ascended, the, the disciples returned rejoicing. So there is joy. Paul mentions his joy in hearing about the obedience of the Roman Christian. So he, he feels, he, he experiences joy. But there's also joy as action. Proverbs 5.18 tells the reader to rejoice or to take joy in the wife of his youth, and and there's no reference to what she may be like. Christ instructs his disciples to rejoice or to be joyful when they're persecuted, when they're reviled, when they're they're slandered. The Apostle Paul commanded a continuous rejoicing. Uh, James said that Christians are, are to consider it all joy when they fall into various testings because such testing produces So sometimes we feel joy, and sometimes we choose joy. We had a trekker a few years ago, and, you know, during training he was okay, maybe a little bit on the, I don't know if you'd necessarily call him negative, but he was just always a little bit more somber, a little bit more serious, maybe a little bit grumpy. He came back from Thailand seven months later, and we're like, who are you? And in the middle of his experience, I think he had read a devotional or something that, that talked about joy, and he just kind of realized and decided that he wasn't very good about joy in his life. And so he decided that he was going to pursue joy and strive to be more joyful. And he came back a, uh, a different man. His team noticed it very quickly. We all noticed it drastically by the t- time that he had come back. He just... He decided that this was something worth going after. You know, if you claim that Jesus is part of your life, but then you exhibit no joy, then really some part of your understanding or some part of your obedience is incomplete. Joy is not something that that you get to be secretive about. Uh, you, You don't get to live a grumpy life but, you know, then kind of call in your best friends and be like, okay, okay, okay. Don't let this get out. I have a lot of joy. Bless you, Jesus. You don't get to do that. If you want to know if joy is in your life, you ask those around you, hey, is joy in my life? Because joy is confirmed by the community of believers around you. This is one of those things where you're probably not a very good self-awareness assessor of, hey, am I a joyful person? And if they stall, that's probably your answer right there, right? Like, you either going to get a quick yes, or you get brutal honesty, or they're kind of like, um, well, that means no, okay? Let me just cut this out. So ask yourself, uh, or better yet, ask those around you, is there joy in my life? Where am I in my understanding of joy? Where, is, where am I in my obedience? 
And the angels came and they said, we bring you a great message of great joy. I mean, that message continues on today. The, the story of Jesus, the story of Jesus coming to earth, the story of salvation, it's one that, that stirs up joy in our life. There's, uh, you know, I, I sometimes wonder how I would live my life differently if for just a couple minutes I peeked in the window of hell or I peeked in the window of heaven. I don't think that we, actually, I'll let me just say this, I'm, I'm very confident that we fully do not understand what we were saved from, nor do we fully understand what we were saved unto. When we said yes to Jesus, that pivotal moment, I don't think we really grasp the magnitude of where we were to where we are or to what we have become. That, that transition, I think, is just beyond beyond us and we will not understand it until we're there. Joy. One of the things that I, I loved about this monologue today is, is that it ends with the shepherds wondering, you know, why us? Why did we get to be a part of this? We kind of go to, I mean, is it because we were close? Is it because we believed in the Messiah? I mean, none of that seems to make then he ponders, you know, what's Jesus going to be like? Is he, is he going to change the world? Is it, I wonder, you know, same sky, same night, same troubles. Sometimes we wonder why when we're part of something painful. And sometimes we wonder why when we get to be part of, of something amazing, something remarkable, something bigger than ourselves. I often think of that way when I just think about the global church and all that, that's going on. How lucky we are to be, to be a part of us. Why us? Why me? That I get to be involved in this. God has extended to you, to the whole world, an, an, an evangelistic message, good news of great joy. And it is so rich and it is so powerful and so wonderful that is to be heard by all the people on earth. And for those who receive the message, for those who accept it, there's peace and there's reconciliation with God. Friends, when you signed on with Jesus, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it turned out to be bigger than you realized. And if it hasn't, then, then you haven't quite explored it fully. You haven't really understand kind of what, what all we were saved from and what we were saved unto my prayer for us this today is that we understand this message of joy, that we understand that what it means to, to have joy, that you experience joy, that it be just that, that foundation in your character that is always there and always consistent regardless of what comes your way, and that at other times that you would choose joy. There will be times where we don't want to, but we just, we choose it. Because that is what it means to have the Holy Spirit in us and, and have the character of God growing within us. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray for all of us here this morning. Lord, I pray that we would experience joy. Lord, I pray that, yeah, that we would experience joy. Lord, that we would understand, that you would, you would enlighten our understanding, and as our understanding grows, our experience of joy, I believe, grows. Show us, Lord, show us who you are, show us what we're saved unto. Teach us about our true identity in you, Lord, and as we grow in that understanding, God, I believe that we will grow in our joy. And Lord, I pray that we will, we will choose joy. And there are times when, when we don't want to, when we don't feel like it. I pray that we will look at the bigger picture and we will just choose joy. And Lord, I pray that we would help walk alongside others to experience joy, choose joy. Lord, you have been so gracious with us. You have been so generous with us. And you continue to be so patient and so faithful.
you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. No. Story of amazing love. The 
Gottes Wort.